everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. Good morning. So Jim, Jan, and Jen were out golfing last Tuesday. That's not even the joke yet. I'm just getting you warmed up. Uh, and one of them, I'm not going to say who, this is a true story. Uh, the joke is part of the true story. One of them, whenever they hit a bad shot, they went, arg. And so Jim in the story is my father-in-law. And uh, he said, you know, everybody thinks that the pirate's favorite letter is arg. But it's not. It's the C. Okay, so I know there's not a lot of people in the room, and uh, I know that a lot more people are watching on the live stream, but especially if you're in the room today, because I can't see your mouths laughing, uh, I need like, uh, I need verbals, and I need like, woohoo, and rah, 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 and uh, well, we could even clap in the vineyard, I suppose, but My name is Amos. I'm one of the lead pastors here. Really glad for you to be with us. And uh, we're we're coming toward the end of our love period series. We've been looking at Matthew 5 to 7, what some people call the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus was on a mountain. And we've been looking at it through the lens of love. So we've said that you can follow all the rules, believe all the right things, but if you miss the love part, then you're actually headed away from Jesus and not toward him. So we've got this week and next week. Uh, That's also, next week is going to be our last outside service before, you know what's coming after that? Winter is coming. coming. Uh, But before winter, Thanksgiving, and with Thanksgiving, Advent, which is a time where we prepare our hearts for the birth of Jesus as we remember that uh, like monumental moment in history. But uh, okay, I tell you the joke because we're going to read some words from Jesus today that are going to make you go, arg. You got it? Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down too, so that'll keep me from getting overly excited. And uh, I'm going to pray before we read. If you have your Bibles, it's Matthew 7, so you can get there. Uh, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come. We love you. We need you. We ask that as we read your word today, that it would burn in our hearts. That we might turn to you. That we might draw near to you. Jesus, be our teacher today. Just as you taught the crowds, 2,000 years ago. Teach us today through your Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm also going to take these off. I, uh, I brought many layers today for the outside service, and uh, I was just outside saying hello as people came in. Okay, Matthew 5, oh, sorry, Matthew 7, verse 7, and we'll be reading all the way to verse 23. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. 
the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's pretty good, right? Nothing, nothing to arg about. Here we go. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Does that trouble you? A little bit. Jesus is putting in sharp contrast two ways of being, in fact, two kinds of people by uh, using a couple of different word pictures. He talks about a narrow gate and a wide gate, uh, a good kind of plant that bears good fruit and a bad kind of plant that bears bad fruit. Uh, people who know him and people who don't. And I think maybe the most troubling thing is, is you have people saying the right thing, Lord, Lord, about Jesus, and doing the right thing, uh, casting out demons, performing miracles in his name, and prophesying too. Like, it doesn't get any more spiritual uh, or religious than that. Am I right? And yet, Jesus says, to these people who do the right thing and say the right thing, I don't know you. Does this trouble you even a little bit? It does trouble me, but I think what the invitation is for us today is not, as sometimes we will do, try to figure out who out there is the wolf in sheep's clothing, and who out there is the sheep? And who out there is on the straight and narrow, and who out there is on the, the wide path that leads to destruction? I think that would be missing the point. Jesus is inviting us all to repent. And when I say repent, not just apologize for things we've done or things we've said, or even wrong things we've believed, but to turn our lives and orient it back toward him. I think about this in terms of the election, which, as far as I can tell, is over. 
And it's easy to say, oh, the people who lost, now it's their time to repent. Republicans need to repent. Democrats need to repent. No, Jesus says all people need to repent. Well, Baptists need to repent and Catholics need to repent. Or is it, or is it the vineyard? Or is it people who don't go to church? Are they? No. The, the stark language that Jesus is using here is an invitation to hold up the mirror and reflect on your own heart. What is the direction of my life and where is my life headed? You see, even from the very beginning of the passage that I read, ask, seek, and knock. These are words of relationship. These are words of purpose. And these are words of intentionality. A lot of times you read uh, ask, seek, and knock, uh, and then you know the people who ask those things will be given to you is viewed only through the lens of prayer. And sometimes, uh, do you know the Dolly Parton song? It's, uh, you know, I, I, give me a color TV and can you guys help me out and give me a, is it a Mercedes? I don't know. No Dolly Parton fans in here. Uh, but, you know, a Rolls Royce would be nice and a new TV and a new foot, all these things. If I ask, then God will give me to give them to me, right? Because it says here, if I ask, then I will receive, but that's, that's seeing it all wrong. That's seeing it as a transactional sort of partnership rather than a relational connection. Ask, seek, and knock uh, applies to the way that we do relationships with each other, I think, uh, and in our relationship with God. So if, if you were talking to a Jewish rabbi, uh, he would say, yeah, it's both. Whereas sometimes for us, if we hear Jesus' words, well, is it this or is it that? A Jewish rabbi would say, no, we're talking about our relationships with other people and our relationship with God. And you see Jesus blurring those things an awful lot because our relationship with God is made of the same stuff. Uh, friendship, intentionality, connection. Not, uh, our relationship with God isn't like a relationship that we have with ideas or a relationship that we have with uh, people we follow on Facebook. That you can know things about people on Facebook, but if you've never actually talked to them, you don't know them. You can believe ideas, but you can't like trust and love uh, relationally ideas. Ask, Seek, and Knock acknowledges that people have freedom. Notice that it's not manipulate, demand, and control. Ask, Seek, and Knock respects the other person. And God is asking us, inviting us to do these things because he wants to hear from us. He wants friendship with us. It says here, or it compares God to a, a good father or a good parent who gives good gifts because of his or her love and concern for their child. I think when Jesus is talking about asking, uh, in, a, in the sense that it's an ask directed toward God, it's not ask anything. We, we often think like, well, if God doesn't give me something I ask, I'm just asking for the wrong things. Well, that, that might be true, 
But uh, I think the good gifts that he says, uh, he says, if then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, he's talking about something very specific. And I think um, this can be enlightened a little bit if you look at a parallel passage in Luke. And when he talks about the you know fathers giving good gifts to children, he, instead of saying good Luke, good word, uh, good things, Luke remembers Jesus saying the Holy Spirit. Those who ask for the Holy Spirit will receive the Holy Spirit. And with that presence comes a power and a message, which I think includes or encompasses the kingdom that Jesus has been talking about all along here on the Sermon of the Mount. It's, it's about citizenship into a new kind of kingdom that is driven by love and relationship and friendship with God and with others that transforms you into a kind of person who is kind and merciful and generous. Uh, the kind of people that, oh man, if, if only the world was like this, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm making you that. And when I come again, my kingdom will be established in such a way that that is the way that the whole world will be. There'll be a reflection of me and my heart. So when we ask, we ask for the Holy Spirit to come. With the Holy Spirit comes an experience of God's presence and of his power and an expression of the kingdom. And you can't have the kingdom without the king. We're talking about Jesus here. You want to have the gifts of the kingdom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These are fruit of the spirit, uh, qualities or character traits of Jesus, and they only really come if you know Jesus personally and intimately uh, like a friend. We might say this, we've been talking about, you know, a little bit about our relationship with God, but when we think about our relationship with others, remember that um, friendship is the currency of the kingdom. Jesus says to his disciples, I call you friends. And what Jesus spends most of his life here on earth doing is not teaching in synagogues or even performing miracles, it seems. It's investing in this small group of people that he calls friends. And so with this asking, seeking, and knocking, there is a, an invitation or a reminder that we need friendship and we need purpose and it doesn't just come to us. While the kingdom of God is given to us freely because of the love of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross and the victory that he had over death, it is not something that we simply sit back and consume like uh, we watch Netflix on a couch. It is something that it is someone that we chase after and follow. It is an active impulse. Asking, seeking, and knocking is, is something that you are invited to do with the invitation to follow Jesus. It's movement. It's constant. It's active. And so I think as we enter into the winter that is coming, there is going to be a lot of purposelessness. There is going to be a lot of isolation. 
there is going to be a lot of Netflix. But one thing that this passage, I think, reminds us of is that we need to reaffirm, repent, realign, and find purpose, like something truly worth living for. That is God's kingdom and bringing it. And that is going to be a challenge over the next six months because it's going to get cold. And so the invitation to us all will be finding ways to invest in friendship with intentionality, with vulnerability, with inconvenience, and with sacrifice. Whatever it takes, find people, even if it's a small group of people, to become better friends with over the next six months. Maybe it's new friends in your neighborhood. Maybe it's over Zoom. Maybe it's inside with masks. Maybe it's a, you know, a trusted group of people that you don't need to wear masks with. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's checking in on Zoom or making phone calls even though that's not ideal. And it's going to get old. It's an invitation to reaffirm the friendship that you have or are called to with others, the love that Jesus invites you to have for others. And I, I think the stakes are high, and I think the symptoms of loneliness are often confused. And so I'm going to read... Uh, it's a story, but it's actually a letter written by Colonel D.D. D. Halfhill, who is, uh, I think right now, the spokesman for the chairman of the Joint, Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, but was overseeing a, a squadron, or I don't, I don't know quite the right word, but around 33,000 uh, men and women in the Air Force. And so she tells this story. During the first year of my command, I was presenting an award to an airman at a squadron event. At the end of my presentation, I asked if anyone had any questions. A young airman raised his hand and asked, Ma'am, <clears throat> when is the ops tempo, or what he means is the pace of current operations, going to slow down? Because we are really tired. Anybody relate to that? When is life going to slow down? We are really tired. Uh, yeah, I said, <clears throat> excuse me. It has been very busy, and we ask a lot of you, I explained. It's not just here at Barksdale, though. I just came from a different command where I heard the same thing. Across our Air Force, leaders know we're asking a lot of you, and they know you're tired. Yes, ma'am, we're tired, he responds. While the squadron itself is larger, there were probably about 40 airmen at the event that day. I asked everyone who was tired to raise their hands, and pretty much every hand went up. I went on. I want to share something with all of you that I read recently that has really made me stop and think. Three days ago, I was reading an article in the Harvard Business Review, and it was talking about organization that was researching companies that were reporting high levels of exhaustion. This team went into these companies to see what was driving such high levels of exhaustion, and they found was that while these employees were in fact exhausted, it wasn't just because of the ops tempo. They were actually exhausted because people were lonely. It wasn't because of the speed, the amount of things they had to do. It was actually exhaustion from loneliness. 
their workforces were lonely, and that loneliness was manifesting itself in a feeling of exhaustion. I stopped for a second, looked out at the group, and then uh, continued, because that's what happens, right? When we're lonely, we just feel lethargic. We don't really want to do anything. We think we're tired, and we just want to sleep. I paused. So if I were to ask you, instead of who's tired, who's lonely, how many of you would raise your hand? At least 15 people raised their hand. Loneliness is such a hard thing for many of us to admit, right? These are like seasoned uh, servicemen and women in the Air Force. An incredibly vulnerable thing to raise your hand in a group of people you respect uh, and admit that you're lonely. Uh, She goes on, I thought maybe one person would raise a hand, but when 15 people raised their hand, I was shocked. For lack of better language, I had an arg moment. That's not really what she said, but... I really didn't know what to do. I stood there, stunned, in front of everyone, thinking, I'm not a therapist. I'm not equipped for this, and you might be thinking the same thing. I certainly wasn't prepared for nearly a quarter of the group to admit such a raw emotion to me. And truthfully, I'm trying to get through some of the same emotions myself. It was uncomfortable, and the discomfort was making me want to move to a different topic. Anybody relate to that? (laughs) When you feel discomfortable, it's time to change the subject. Five years ago, I would have never had the courage to ask that question, and I certainly wouldn't have been prepared to hold space for the answers. Our Air Force, our military in general, is facing challenges with suicide, with people feeling isolated and hopeless. As leaders, we are trying everything we can to reach our airmen and ensure they know that suicide is not the answer. We spend so much time talking with them about available resources but I'm not sure enough of us are talking about the fact that in the end, a lot of people are just lonely. They're not connecting. They're not reaching out. Before I even asked the question, I knew it was going to be very uncomfortable, but I also knew that it was an important question to ask, so I decided to call on courage and vulnerability and stay in the moment. I decided to be honest with them. And she replies, this breaks my heart. Loneliness isn't something I've talked about with you before, but seeing so many of you raise your hands today scares me a little because I'm not entirely sure what to do with this information. And as a leader, if you tell me you're tired, I'm going to send you home, tell you to take some leave, to take some time away and get some rest. But if what's really going on is you're lonely, then sending you off to bed to be by yourself yet again means that I could possibly exacerbate the very problem we are so desperately trying to combat in our Air Force which is that some people are so out of hope, feeling so isolated that they are doing something irreversible, or in other words, withdrawing from relationships. My willingness to ask an uncomfortable question opened the door to a great conversation. Take that as a nugget. My willingness to ask an uncomfortable question opened the door to a great conversation. For us, sometimes our willingness to ask an uncomfortable question opens the door to a deeper, more meaningful friendship. She says, we ended that afternoon event having had a very candid discussion about how we build relationships in the unit, how we reach out to others when we're feeling alone, and how we create a community of inclusion. It also provided invaluable insight for the squadron commander and set him on a path to address the right issue, connection and inclusion versus busyness and exhaustion.
Jesus is inviting us. Jesus is reminding us that friendship is the currency of the kingdom. It's going to be a hard winter. The excuses for isolation, the reasons to withdraw will be more real probably than ever have been in my lifetime or your lifetime. And so I think, I think it's time to decide what am I, what are you, what are we going to do to combat isolation and loneliness and loss of connection? What kind of rhythms of relationship are you going to build into not your month, not your week, but into your day? This is so vitally important for us to make it through the winter. You need to find people. You need to find friends. It's not something you can sit back and wait for. You, Jesus reminds us, take an active part in any friendship. It's about asking. It's about seeking. It's about knocking. It's about initiating a phone call, starting a conversation, shooting out a text. It's about being willing to ask sometimes hard or awkward questions. Not, I gotcha questions, but how are you really doing questions? And be willing to sit and create space for uncomfortable, uh, tragic, painful answers. What are the rhythms that you are going to set in place today, this week, that will carry you through the winter? Where are you going to find purpose, if not in friendship with others and friendship with Jesus? When I was in school, there were two different kinds of slips. You guys probably know about this, right? Uh, there's, uh, there's pink slips. You know what those are for? <laughs> that, that means you're in trouble. <laughs> I'm talking about a different kind of slip. There's another kind of slip that's called a permission slip, right? And sometimes it's permission to be late. Sometimes it's permission to miss class. Sometimes it's permission to be in the hallway, right? It's like you need a permission slip for everything. Today, I want you, whether it's just in your mind <laughs> or maybe it's actually on a little post-it note that you have handy, which you probably don't if you're in the room, but if you're at home, you do. I want you to write yourself a permission slip. I don't know exactly what goes on this permission slip, but it's permission to set aside time for purpose, for connection, for friendship. One of the buzzwords right now is self-care. Self-care is good, but you're not going to find purpose or meaning in self-care. Self-care is not an end unto itself. It's a way to help you love people better. If all you do is self-care all winter, you'll actually find yourself in worse shape than you started because it will be a move inward. It'll be a move toward self. And Jesus is inviting us to move toward him. And so what's the permission? Can you give yourself permission to not finish the dishes so that you can spend 10 minutes with Jesus? Can you give yourself permission to watch... 30 minutes less of Netflix so that you can make a phone call to a friend. The thing that makes the wolf different from the sheep, that makes the thorn different from the, does he say fig? 
the good fruit different from the bad fruit is that the wolves and the bad fruit, it's all about transactions. I give you this, you give me that. You can't tell the wolf from the sheep based on appearance. Jesus says they're in sheep's clothing. But after a while, you can tell the wolf because uh, they end up eating the sheep, right? Like, that's the difference. It's, it's like they're there not for the good of the sheep. They're there for themselves. They're hungry. They're going to eat the sheep. Uh, the, the, th- it's, the thorn is such an interesting, or the thistle is such an interesting thing, right? Because they, they're, the, they're the plants with what? Well, thorns. With prickly. Like, you get too close and, and it's real prickly, right? Stay away. The fruit is an invitation to come closer. And uh, if we can just return to the, I think for me, the most troubling uh, verses in this passage, you'll see it, it too is an invitation into relationship. It doesn't draw you toward, oh crap, did I do the right thing, say the right thing, do I believe the right things? Because right, like when, when you get to heaven, okay, sometimes we imagine like Monty Python style, uh, you know, God is there and maybe St. Peter and there's a big like, really blinding white gate, and God says, what's your favorite color, right? Blue, no, yellow, right? Give me a, give me a really concise definition of the Trinity. He's not going to ask you that. D- did, you, did you cheat on your ninth grade test? Don't do it, but that's not what gets you in or that's not what keeps you out. G- well, let's just read it again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This word for will is a little, it's confusing, right? Because if, if the people, if you're prophesying, if you're casting out demons and uh, performing miracles, like, isn't that God's will? Doesn't that trouble, like, what do you mean, God? I've been doing your will. I've been doing what you, what you told me to do. I'm following, just following the book following the commands. But will here is something so much deeper than an understanding of what God said. Will is about God's desire. It's about God's heartbeat. It's about what God wants. There's nothing more intimate that you can know about a person than what they dream or desire or want. And so God is saying, yeah, you did the right things, but you didn't understand my heart. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. That's heartbreaking. Can Can I drive the point home one more time? It's not about doing the stuff. It's about knowing It's about loving the king. It's not about transactional relationships. It's about deep friendship. And so, I mean, as leaders, we're doing everything. We're trying to, all the decisions we make are how can we keep us connected? How can we keep us together? And I don't like wearing masks either. I mean, it's it's kind of cheating because I get to take mine off. But, but it's, a, it's a sacrifice to be together. I don't like sitting out in the cold in November either. Zoom is not my favorite. But it's, it's what it's going to take. It's going to be the active uh, move 
that is intentional and sacrificial to be in relationship. And uh, I, can't, I can't do friendship for you. <laughs> you can't do friendship for the person down the line, but you can be friends with anybody. <laughs> the invitation of God's kingdom, and I hope the welcome of our church includes everybody. Just because, so Jesus says the way, the way is uh, the, the narrow path, right? The, the narrow path is like hard to find and it's, does he say difficult? Oh man, that's the truth. But he, he doesn't actually say that, uh, and only a few are invited. He says, like, everybody who asks, everybody who seeks, everybody who knocks on the door of my kingdom, on the life that I'm offering, uh, which includes the people that are following me, like anybody who wants this can have it. But it's going to take a little work. And so let's, let's pray and ask God to give us like the courage and the heart and the intentionality and the reminder to do it, shall we? So Holy Spirit, come again. I actually ask that you would help us hone in on the language we need uh, to write on that sort of permission slip. Uh, the permission slip to not finish the dishes or give myself a break or stop calling myself a bad parent or a bad friend or I haven't called this person in six months. I'm giving myself permission to call them even though it's going to be weird, maybe, for me, probably not for them. <laughs> Jesus, we need courage. We need mercy. We need your love. We need you. And so, God, whatever it takes, draw us in. Even if it means some painful realizations in our own lives over the next six months. We, I pray that the friendship we have with you would be stronger in uh, you know, April 2021 than in November 2020 because of our increased dependence, because of the rhythms, because of like just an experience of your presence, of your Holy Spirit in our life. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.